Jonah chapter 1. It's good to have a few visitors with us today. Uh, Jim and Donna Pellick are visiting from out state, and Thelma Moore is back with us. She's not a visitor, she just hadn't been here for health reasons, and we're glad to have our Thelma back today. And then, of course, Elizabeth is visiting with us today. Just met her a little bit ago. There may be a few more. I don't know all names, can't see everybody, but we're sure glad you're here at Parkview Baptist Church today. Jonah chapter 1, okay? Jonah chapter 1. We'll read two verses, go to chapter 2 and read two verses, and then here we go, okay? Jonah chapter 1. Let me get my microphone on. If I don't do it now, they'll be waving at me, and I think they're happy in the Lord, but what they're doing is telling me they're not happy that I don't have the microphone on, so let me, let me do that, okay? Here we go. Chapter 1, let's begin in verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. Now drop down to chapter 2, look at the first verse. Then Jonah prayed, and the Lord his God, uh, unto the Lord his God, out of the fish's belly. Verse 8 of chapter 2. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. I want to preach out of these verses and then the verses in between this morning. Some big lies some people choose to believe. That's my thought. Some big lies some people choose to believe. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. and We know it's settled in heaven. Lord, thank you that it settled in our heart years ago. And we pray that if there be someone here today that is not born again, not saved of the grace of God, that the word of God will come in their heart and the spirit of God will convict and convince them of their need of Jesus Christ. And Father, I have a, a number of saints here today that need encouragement, that need instruction. And uh, I pray, Heavenly Father, that you'd use me to be the preacher of the hour, be with Brother Adam Wells as he challenges our deaf church today. And please be with the junior church and help those little ones to understand the word of God as it's delivered unto them. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Some big lies some people choose to believe. Now, the book of Jonah is an amazing book. You can learn so many good practical lessons from it, that's for sure. But there's a few things in it I just want to mention that uh, we can learn from his life story, Jonah, and then move on to some thoughts I have for us today. Obviously, from Jonah's ordeal here, from his his uh, being chastened of the Lord for disobedience, we learn the following things. You can't run from God. Now, I don't know why some people don't get this, but I want you to know something today. No matter what you think, no matter what your experience is thus far, you can't run from God. Number two, you can't hide from God. And some people say, I, I, you know, God don't know about this. God sees all, knows all. Uh, you know, uh, he knows everything going on in our hearts and lives. You can't hide from God. Number three, you can't avoid an appointment with God. Sooner or later, each and every one of us are going to stand before a holy God. And you're not going to avoid that. that you, some people just avoid God their whole life, thinking that at the end they're going to avoid him the last time. No, 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 you, don't, you got this all wrong. People can avoid God and choose not to have anything to do with God, but one day every knee and every... 
everyone will bow before the Lord Jesus Christ. You'll have an appointment with God. And lastly, you can't spend eternity with God without knowing him. It's so the idea of everybody today is, you know, you live your life as the way you want to, and one day you're all going to go to heaven. That's not what the Bible teaches. And you cannot spend eternity with God without knowing him. There's got to be a time and place in everyone's life where we come to know the Lord as our personal Savior, and that's done by faith, and that's done by repentance. And so uh, I, I can't preach on all these specifically as points today. I just want to start out with them, and then you'll, you'll get a variation of them through the, through the message. But uh, if you think, if there's someone here today, I'm not trying to be unkind, but you think if you're going to end up in heaven someday after spending a lifetime of avoiding or denying God, then that individual's in for a rude awakening. Because one of these days, after someone dies, in a nanosecond, after their death, they'll wake up in hell, and they'll never be able to get out of that, that, uh, that, that eternity. And I pray there not be anyone like that today. But you never know who you're preaching to, and I pray this message will speak to hearts in a great way today. So now that I got all your attention... I want us to take a look at the story of Jonah here once again. I know it's a book that maybe quite often you have read about in your Bible reading through the yearly Bible reading plan. Maybe you've even studied it. Maybe you even taught it. I don't know. But let's look at it afresh here this morning. Um, why did Jonah do what he did? That's been, that's been a question uh, for years. Why did, he, why did he do what he did? Well, in Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, we read verses 1 and 2. Look at verse 3 now. It says, But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Why in the world would he do such a thing? And he went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare, the fare thereof and went down into it to go unto them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Mentions that two times. Running from the presence of the Lord. He thought he could do it. And I already mentioned, you can't do that. You can't run from the presence of God. See, God is all present. Omnipresent. He's all-knowing. Amen. He's all-powerful. He's ever-existent. You cannot get away from the presence of God. And Jonah here, being a prophet of God, for whatever reason, especially being a prophet of God, why in the world did he think he could run from God? That he could run from the presence of God and the will of God for his life. But I have a question for some of you this morning. Why are you trying to do it? There may be somebody here this morning, you're running. You're running from the presence of God, so you think, and the, and the will of God for your life. And there's a number of reasons why I think Jonah did this. And I think there's a number of reasons why people, Christian people, people that know the Lord, try to do the same thing. I want to look into these questions. The first thing I want us to know before we get into the questions and some of the answers, I believe, of why Jonah did what he did, I want us to know that Jonah had been a faithful prophet up to this point. Before we read in here in Jonah chapter 1 that God gave him an order and he disobeyed the order and he, he tried to run from God and he went down to Tarshish to, to flee from the presence of the Lord, he had been a faithful prophet. In 2 Kings, turn there if you would, this is important for you to see this. 2 Kings chapter 14. 2 Kings chapter 14. You know, I, I've noticed a, a lot of people in my Christian experience, my Christian life, that have 
been faithful for many years, and then for some reason, something happens. They, they make choices in their life, and then, then you, you don't even recognize some of them as even knowing God. Maybe you got some relatives that you say, man, how they used to be here, now they're over here. How did that happen? How did they get so far away from God when they used to stand up in pulpits and preach and teach Sunday school classes and sing specials and, and, and be used of God mightily for, for years and years and years? How did they end up here? I watch people in their, in their walk with God so dedicated, so separated, so sold out to God, and then they, they go off into this modern contemporary foolishness of today and you wonder what happened they they were never this way As a matter of fact some of those people were the people in future generations that taught us the word of God and what was right and what was wrong and now they've changed everything that they used to preach and stand upon and now they're over here well Jonah was a faithful prophet unto God how did he get to where he's at Fleeing from the presence of the Lord. How does he get running from the will of God? How did he get there? Well, take a look at 2 Kings 14, 25. 2 Kings 14, 25 says this. He restored the coast of Israel from the entering of Hamath under the sea of plain, according to the word of the Lord God of Israel, which he spake by the hand of his servant Jonah, the son of Amittai, the prophet, which was of Gathifer. Here in 2 Kings, it's mentioned the faithfulness of Jonah. You know, I have seen, you have seen men that have graced the pulpits of churches, great orators of God, great students of the Bible, and then through a set of circumstances and years and changes, not out of the ministry. Sadly, many different ways. Brother Dave mentioned a preacher to me uh, when he first started attending here several months ago. It, it, he mentioned a preacher and a message that he preached. I, I knew that preacher. I heard that preacher preach when I was in Bible college. And here's a preacher, I mean so skilled in preaching. I heard him preach a message um, one time called Tetelestia. And I won't go into all of it, but what a message the power of God was on that man's life. And do you know how his life ended? He committed suicide. How many times have we heard of saints of God and preachers of God and servants of God getting way off track to the point, even that, where they were so used of God, so powerful of God, but they would get so depressed or so down or or get into sin that they commit suicide. It wasn't very long ago, another man of God, a great man of God, built a Bible college in Canada, great man of God, did the same thing. Nobody believed it when it happened. How does that happen? How does Jonah, who's talked about as being a great man of God and faithful, get to where he's at in our verses this morning? I want you to know something today. Don't think so highly of yourself. Because it ain't over yet. Be faithful. Be faithful to God. Don't get cold and indifferent on God. 
You see, I've seen this happen too. Preachers, evangelists, missionaries, faithful workers of the Lord. They, they, they look one thing, but their life is a different in their heart. And you can't go very long before that starts affecting you. And we think we can go to church and everything's okay. It's not just right. And I'm cold here and I'm a little indifferent about this. And, and I'm not where I used to be. And I don't believe much as I used to believe. Hey, you keep going that route. You'll find yourself like a Jonah trying to flee from the presence of God. Some of you young people, listen, all your life you've heard preaching and teaching and been around the things of God. You have great heritage in your family of people that know God. You're not careful. In just a few short years, you could be out in that real world and it'll eat you alive. And I have seen people young and then get to be adults and they're not, they're not anything of what they could have been, should have been, and wanted to be at one time because they got ate up with the world. And we know why Jonah went down in just a minute. Same reason you can go down. What a man of God. What a privilege it is. Listen, I know it is a privilege to be a man of God and to stand in a pulpit and deliver the truths of God. Uh, from the word of God. What a privilege, what an honor. And so this speaks to my heart. How did this man of God run from avoiding God's orders and disobedient to his calling? Why did he run to the city of Nineveh? Well, many have thought about this. Get in your commentaries. Look at uh, different uh, uh, books written on the subject of Jonah, and you'll hear these things. First, you'll hear that Jonah feared what the Ninevites might do to him. Well, that's, that's, you know, Jonah is a picture of really, it's an Old Testament picture of Israel not doing what God told him to do. Here's a preacher that God told him to go to Nineveh and preach the bidding that he, but that was where Israel was at that time. They were not the witness God called them to be to the world. And you know where a lot of people are in the church today? We are disobedient from the calling of God to be a witness to this world. And we're not doing the number one thing then we're going to mess up in many different areas. Churches can get that way if we're not careful. We can be so good at so many things, but the number one thing is to go into all the world and preach the gospel. That is the marching order from the Savior. But so many reasons, find a reason why they can flee from the presence of the Lord and the will of God and the orders of God to do what Jonah was supposed to do, what Israel was supposed to do, and what we're supposed to be doing, that's being a witness. All kinds of, well, I, I just, I'm afraid of what people say to me if I knock on their door. I'm afraid if I say to my loved one, uh, you know, try to witness to them that what they're going to say to me, what they're going to think of me. Same thing. So, some people think Jonah just is afraid of what the Ninevites would do to him, and for good reason. Uh, the people of Nineveh had a, great, had a reputation of being cruel people. They were terrible and ruthless warrior people. And I, the number one thing that I read about about them, they were cannibalistic. Well, that would be a reason not to want to go to those people. Amen. I'm not judging them. No way. If God spoke to my heart in a mission conference and said, Steve, I know you've been a pastor for all these years. I want you to go to this country. And they're, they're all cannibals. I'd have a struggle with that. I don't want to be somebody's lunch. Or dinner, for that matter. And, and Jonah was facing these things. But that's not the reason Jonah didn't obey God. That's not the reason that he got out of God's will. That's not the reason why he found himself faithful at one time, 
but disobedient another time. That's not the reason. You know the real reason was? Lying vanities. Look in your Bible, Jonah chapter 2. We read it in verse 8. You might have missed it. You saw, oh, I don't know what that means, so it doesn't mean anything. Oh, yes, it means something. Jonah chapter 2 and verse 8, notice what he says again. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. Who's the merciful one they're talking about here? God. Jehovah God has been the merciful God in his life. And the mercy of God endures forever. Aren't you glad for that? But here's a man that's forsaking the mercy of God. Why would you do that? Why would you do it as a prophet of God? Why would you do it as a person of, of God? How did, he, how did he get here? Here's how he got here. He believed lying vanities. The word vanities, of course, means emptiness. It means vain or, or unsatisfactory. Lying vanities actually means a hollow, nothingness, emptiness, false idols, the voices of other gods. It has the idea that Jonah was plugged into God, and he was listening to God, and when he was listening to God, he was doing great things as a prophet of God. But then he started listening to other voices, lying vanities, lying voices. Who do you think that might be? Our enemy, Satan. He will begin to speak to us, especially those that are trying to do something for God. I mean, if you're a nothing Christian in the sense that you're saved, but you're doing nothing, you don't try to do anything, you don't care, I mean, you're just kind of like in. By the skin of your teeth in. He's probably not going to mess with you because he's already got you where he wants you. You know, just kind of, you know, you're just satisfied. <laughs> Thank God I'm in. Okay, you're in. Wonderful. God wants much more than that out of your life. He's going to come after that dedicated, committed, loyal, sacrificing servant of God. And he says, then I won't be one. Because I don't want Satan messing with me. Well, nobody does, should. I don't want to mess with him personally. I believe there have been a few times in my ministry years that I had an appointment just with him a few times. Most of the time it's my own flesh. Most of the time it's the world. But we do have a third enemy, and it's Satan. And he's real. And he has devils that he dispatches. Amen. And we say, well, I don't want nothing to do with that. Well, that's what happened to Jonah. Jonah, Jonah didn't flee because he was afraid of the people or if he was going to be their next uh, uh, barbecue. He, he, he wasn't afraid of all that. He was afraid of Satan, and he started listening to these lying vanities. Other voices, other false gods... False religion, tradition, if you would, instead of the command of God. You see, because in his mind he said, God, you're, you're, you're doing something wrong here. How can you and I tell God, God, you've made a mistake here? This isn't where I should be going. This isn't what I should be doing. I, I've had that conversation with God early on when he was calling me to preach. I said, Lord, you picked the wrong guy. But God knew what he was doing in spite of me. And God knows what he's doing with you when he's gifted you and he wants to use you for his honor and glory. And you say, well, I, I just can't do that. I, I'm not very good at that. Hey, let God be God. 
Let him use you as he intends to use you. And if you'd surrender, if you'd yield, if you'd place your, in, in his capable hands, you'll be surprised what you could become for God. Jonah was greatly used. But in simple terms, he forsook the will of God. And he went to Tarshish thinking that was a better idea because God got it wrong. God, and you know what his argument was with God, as you know, he was prejudiced toward the people God was sending him to. And he was saying, no, Lord, you don't understand. If I help these people, then you know, Lord, we've been at odds, Israel and Nineveh have been at odds. And if you're, if, Lord, if you don't, if you deal kindly to them, they could come back and hurt us and, and they could destroy us. And his idea was, Lord, kill them, nuke them, fry them. That's what you need to do, God. That wasn't God's plan. We get that way sometimes with sinners. We don't like the way they dress, look, act, believe, and we say in Jesus' name we want them to be saved, but they can read us. Amen. And they, in their estimation, said, yeah, if I don't go along with your program, you just rather have God get me out of the way. And folks, sometimes we're like that in our hearts. But if they're just the way we want them to be, and they come to our church just like we want them to come and take upon the beliefs that we already have, and, and buddy, they better do it in a lickety split of time, or, hey, they can read us like a book. Amen. We got to have grace and mercy here was a guy that, here was a prophet that had a lot of mercy, but he forsook mercy for lying vanity. What voices are you listening to? Amen. You, you, that's how Satan works. Where did this come from? Well, it come from Satan. John 8, 44 tells us he's the, He's a liar from the beginning and the father of lies. And every day we're bombarded with lies from the enemy. I guess a vernacular term today would be fake lies, like fake news, or deception. It always changes, but it always remains the same. It's a lie in a different package. Amen. And this is why the Apostle Paul says to us as believers, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the, the wiles of the devil. Hey, he's tricky. You've got to watch out for those fiery darts, he says. So put on the whole armor of God. Every day we're in a spiritual battlefield. And many are not prepared for the battle that could come upon them at any time. And Satan takes them out. Instead of giving ourselves over to lying vanities, falsehoods, lies, if you would, we're told in the scriptures that bring everything into the, our minds into the captivity of Christ. But see, saints of God, listen to me, you can't do that if you never read your Bible. You can't do that if you don't study to show yourself approved unto God. You can't and you won't. It's a matter of time. Don't think because you've already been serving God for a long time or you come from a good Christian family or you've heard it all before all these years that it is going to be okay. Listen, you will 
turn yourselves over to lying vanities and you'll begin to think and reason in ways you didn't think you would or could. It's deception. It's Satan. He's always working. Emotionally, Jonah was a wreck. Physically, he was a wreck. The battle was going on in his heart and his mind. And, you know, we can know it by what he went through. First of all, this, this, this fellow's tired. He's wore out. He's lacking sleep. You say, preacher, how do you know that? Well, he physically he's tired in verse 5. Go back to the book of Jonah, chapter 1, verse 5. It says, Then the mariners were afraid, and cried everyone unto his God, and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea, to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship, and lay, and was fast asleep. How does someone lay fast asleep in a storm? The only one that really can get away with this is the Lord. There was a storm going on, and the Lord was sleeping, and they came and said, Hey, help us lest we perish. Well, he's, he's the Lord. <laughs> he's the creator. He said, Peace be still, and everything was... And he, the Lord could do that. Jonah couldn't do that. Amen. He's asleep. Why is he asleep? I think he's physically and emotionally and spiritually a wreck. He is in trouble. And listen, let me tell you something. When you're physically, emotionally, and spiritually weak and sick and overwhelmed, that's when Satan attacks. You know the, the roaring lion that we're warned about? Seeking whom he may devour? That's what they do. They wait for the pack. They wait for the, the cripple. They wait for the young ones to lay behind. They wait for the old that can't keep up with the crowd anymore and they attack and that's what satan will do he's under attack he's weary in daniel chapter 7 verse 25 speaking of the antichrist he says that he shall speak great words against the most high and he shall wear out the saints of the most high you ever feel sometimes that the saint of god just wore out come on be honest raise your hand there's only four people in this come on now you, you just get wore out you get tired of whatever it is that's wearing you out. Tired of the family problem, the dynamic, the dramatic. You're, you're, you're tired of uh, fighting with your kids. You're tired of fighting with your husband or your mate about things. You're, 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 fighting, you're, you're tired of fighting your parents, and your parents are tired of fighting you, and, and there's all this conflict, and you, just, you get wore out. You go out in that world, and you've got to face that world that attacks you every day, that mocks you, that belittles you, that questions everything you believe. And then you, you get around other Christian people, and they don't stand for God anymore. And they used to stand here, and now they're over here. They used to be against this, and now they're for And you just get wore out. And here's what you do. I might as well join them. Let me just throw in the towel and join them. You know what your problem is? Satan's, he's working on you. And he's not because you're a bum of a Christian is because you're a dedicated Christian. You're a committed Christian. People are looking to you. Uh, people are using you as an example. And if he can get you to fall, then he can mess up a whole lot of other lives. So stand. Stay strong. Amen. If Jonah got weak, to where he's running from God. Don't you think you could end up there someday? 
Amen. That's good preaching, Pastor. That's wonderful. Just what we needed this morning. He's, he, his, his body is showing us. He's tired. He's asleep. His speech betrays him. Verse 8 and 9, he says, um, uh, Then said they unto him, Tell us, we pray thee, from whose cause this evil is upon. They know that the, the storm is because of this guy in the boat. What is thine occupation, and whence comest thou, and what is thy country, and of what people art thou? And here's what Jonah said. I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which hath made sea and dry land. Well, that's a wonderful profession. But his words didn't match up his living. And again, you will not get by with lost people. They know exactly what Christians are supposed to do. They know what you're supposed to be doing and not doing, wearing and not wearing, going and not going, drinking and not drinking. I, they know. You can't fool them. Amen. But here's Jonah saying one thing, doing another. So his speech betrays him with the condition of his heart. And then his logic shows the emotion and the mental state that he's going through. Look at verse 11 and 12. Then said they unto him, What shall we do unto thee that the sea may be calm unto us? For the sea wrought and was uh, tempestuous. And he said unto them, Take me up, cast me forth into the sea, so shall the sea be calm for you, and I know that my, for my sake this great tempest is upon you. The correct answer at this time was, throw me overboard. No, that was the incorrect answer. But see, that's where his heart is. He's so discouraged. I mean, just, just throw me overboard. The, the right answer would have been, hey, I, you know what the right answer should have been for Jonah at that time? He should have hit his knees, and he should have said, God, I'm not right with you, and I've not been thinking right, and I repent of my sin, and oh God, hey, I'm going to go to Nineveh and to do exactly what you told me to do. But he didn't do that. And how many have I seen that instead of getting right with God, they'll do anything else but get right with God and wonder why it doesn't go well. You keep doing the same thing over, you get the same result. And Jonah kept doing the same thing without doing what he's supposed to do. Obey me. Go where I sent you. Do what I told you to do. And God kept telling that to Israel, and they wouldn't listen, and God gave them exhibit A. Jonah. And so we get it in our book. And God says to the church, why don't you start doing what I told you to do? But yet we got better ideas than God. And we wonder, how in the world did Jonah get there? Well, how'd you get where you're at? Where you're going if you don't change things, right? Jonah started to believe these speaking lies, these, these vanities, instead of believing God. I'm going to give you the things that he believed in, and we're going to be done. Look at chapter 1, verse 3. But Jonah rose up to flee from the, uh, to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. First thing we see here is when you start believing that you can run from God, I want you to notice this. First of all, you believe the fleeing lie. Not the flea that buzzes around, not, not going to the flea markets. We're talking about trying to escape from the presence of God. What is the fleeing lie? The fleeing lie is we can go somewhere God's not. And again, I told you at the beginning of the message, 
You can't do that. Now, some of you are thinking right now, well, preacher, that's not me. Oh, let me tell you something. In these pews right now are people. You've come to church. God bless you. You're here, but you're fleeing. Because you, you can endure a sermon, but then go back out and keep doing what you've been up to doing. And thinking you're going to get away with it. It ain't going to happen. You believe a fleeing lie. The devil will tell you a lie, and you fended off several of them. And I'll tell you how I know it's true. I have watched people in preaching that they're in church, and God the Holy Spirit is working on their heart and wanting them to make some changes. And here's what happens to the saints of God. They start thinking, man, if I, I, he won't be too much longer. I'm going to get out of here, and then when he's done, I won't have to think about this anymore instead of getting right with God. He's a distractor. I'll tell you what some of you, right in here, right over here, probably some here, in this whole auditorium. He is a deceiver. He is a distractor. Anybody got a phone on him? Come on, hand me a phone. You've got it right there. You know you do. Thank you. Now, pink's not my color. But here's what the Lord does today in independent, fundamental, Bible-believing churches. You're in church, and there's preaching like this going on, and here's what you're doing. Here's what he'll get you to do. He'll say, oh, I'm using my Bible. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Go ahead, preacher. Go ahead. I know he does it. I had a visitor not too long ago say, I'm surprised how many people were on their phones during the service. That's a great thing a pastor loves to hear. But here, thank you. Here, here's what we do. We're so connected to this thing. You are. We are. The, the devil has got it. He's the prince and power of the air. We can't do anything without hearing something, watching something, Whole checking, and here's what people do in church. Instead of listening to the preacher, especially when the preacher's preaching and he's, he, he's getting in our space, we just find a reason to, oh, I'll just check my texts. Let's see if somebody's called me. I wonder if the kids have sent me a picture. And, and we're doing this checking. Put the phone away and listen to God speak to you. Put the phone away, get you a, a, a King James Bible that you can go through and leave through and pay attention and let God speak to you. Because if you don't, you're going to believe lying vanities and you're going to get sidetracked. That's exactly what Satan wants people to do in church. You're not paying attention to the message. You're checking this. You're tweeting. You're twinging. You're, 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 you're texting. You're whatever you do. I guess I handled that point. Thank you. And I might add this, when you go out to dinner with your mate, put the phone away, talk to your mate, have dinner, amen. When you're at home and you're having family time, put the stupid phone away, listen to your family, have family devotion, talk to one another, amen. amen. That's, not even on the, that's not on the home this morning. We're getting ate up with this fleeing lie. Let's get from the presence of God. You know, God, we, he, we don't want conviction. People are so messed up today with what the world bringing to our eyes every day. 
who think we can't get away from God. Oh, he thought he could get away from God, and he thought he could get away from the conviction of God. Oh, here's my prayer. God, let us see conviction again in the church. I mean, we don't see much of it anymore. Oh, God, let us see conviction at church. Let us have conviction in our daily life. Amen, Lord, when I'm fixing to do something I ought not do, or watch something I shouldn't watch, or listen to something, oh, God, let me see, let me sense conviction. That's what we need today, in a big way. But we're listening to lying vanities. Hey, friend, you can't flee from God. You can't run away from God. And get away from it. Jonah sadly believed the lying, the, the, the finding lie. Verse 3, it says he found a ship going to Tarshish. You can find a way to get out of things if you want to. I've said you can do what you want to do and you can not do what you don't want to do. I used to get so upset years ago in ministry of people that didn't come and go and get involved and all that. And it was, it was, it was ruining me. So finally, I just had to say to myself, you know what, I'm going to do what I got to do. I can't make people serve God. I can pray for them, but I can't make them. Don't you want to feel the touch of God? Don't you want to sense God? Then do right. Do right because you want to honor God. Do right because you want to sense the Spirit of God in your own heart and life. Oh my goodness. He was heading out. He was trying to flee from the presence of God. Young people. The devil will lie to you. And you'll start listening to those other voices instead of listening to God. And he'll convince you that some of the things that you've been taught by your parents and from the pulpit at church is, is, is not truth. And, and he's done it from the beginning, young people, right in the garden. Yea, hath God said, are you sure if you do this, it's going to be bad? God's word's against it, you be against it. God's for it, you be for it. Amen. Jonah believed the fair lie when he had paid the fare thereof. And listen, if we disobey God, it'll cost us. When we run from God, there'll be a big payday someday. It breaks my heart to see people right now, people I know in my life, people I've known for years, that they're running from God and they don't even understand that the bill's not fully paid. There's coming a big payday. There's coming a, a, a check that has to be covered. And I don't know that there might be some in here today that you're messing with something you know you ought not do as a believer, and you think it ain't going to hit you. It's not going to cost you anything. Oh, it'll cost you. Amen. I'm thinking of Elimelech and Naomi in the book of Ruth, how they were under that great time of physical famine. They thought it would be okay, but you know what? They didn't ever dreamt by, by going off into Moab that it was going to take their two sons from them. Never thought it would take away two husbands. And sometimes I meet with Christians that are just playing around with God, thinking that it ain't going to matter. Listen, being out of God's will is expensive. Real expensive. Be careful. Sin can find us out. Lean lie, founding lie, fair lie. Jonah believed the future lie too. And you know what that is? Look at verse 3. And I'm almost done. Stay with me. Jonah rose up from 
uh, flee to Tarsus in the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa and he found a ship going to Tarsus so he paid the fare thereof and went down into it and go with them to Tarsus from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord went out a great wind in the sea and there was a mighty tempest in the sea so that the ship was like to be broken. We read about this, um, this story of this whale. Jonah being swallowed by a whale. Here, it's such a great fish. Matthew, the Lord himself, says it's a whale. Who are you going to believe? It's a whale. It's a great fish. Amen. Now, I don't know. But the Lord went to great lengths to get this guy right. Do you know the timing involved for finally he wants to repent and then the, 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 the whale vomits him out on dry... I mean, the timing for this whale to come, here he comes, here he comes, the prophet's thrown in the, in the, in the, in the drink, and he swallows him up, takes him, vomits him out on dry ground. Just the logistics of this has to be divine. And that's why many people say, oh, it was just a fictitious story, it never happened. Oh, it happened. But you know what I like about the story? As bad as Jonah was, and as stupid as he became, I can run from God. God was merciful. And God went to such lengths to get this guy back on track. And here's the lie. You think you can't get right with God. You think, oh, I've messed up so bad, I can't do much for God. I'll never see my family saved. I'll never see God's touch on my life. I've messed up. Oh, no, 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 don't believe that lie. God will go to great lengths for Jonah to get him right. He'll do amazing things if you take a step toward him. Don't believe the lying vanities that it's too late for you to make any change. You say, I've wasted many years. Hey, then get right and go on the rest of the years. Don't believe the devil's lie. Maybe there's someone here today and you've been listening to the wrong voices and God is saying, listen, I keep telling you, if you just come back to me, he means it. Come back. And God will restore the wasted years. God will bring back the power. God will bring back the touch. God will bring back the joy. He'll bring back the peace. He'll, he'll give you that. I'm telling you, there was a time in my life as a father that I was very worried about a couple of my kids. And I remember Daniel specifically. I was so worried that he was going to go in a... In a a wrong direction. There were other voices speaking to him and, and influences in his life. And uh, boy, I'm so glad God got a hold of his heart. You know, you talk to your kids and, and they, they think, well, I messed up. I've done wrong. Oh, God is a gracious God. Amen. And he is a merciful God. And maybe you're here today and you're a young person. Maybe you're here and you're an adult and you just feel like, man, I've just messed up preacher so much, God can't ever use me. That's a lie. That's a lying vanity. God can take you and use you. Don't believe the lying that Jonah believed. I'm going to tell you this story. I got a lot more preaching, but let me give you this story and I'll be done. It'll bless your heart. It's a true story. God will use you, in spite of what things might appear to be right now. 1921, a man named David Flood surrendered to go to the Congo with his, as a missionary with his young wife. His wife's name was Sivia, 
And they went to the Congo to serve the Lord. When they got there, certain of the tribal people in certain villages they were trying to reach didn't want anything to do with them. They were very discouraged. But they, they kept working. They made them a little hut and they tried to reach out to these tribal people. Well, the chief of the tribe, he forbade his people to have any contact with what he called the white man. So outside the village, away from the, the people, the missionaries would watch this faithful missionary and his young wife build this little hut and try to live in, in that environment. And it was hard. And uh, he would send uh, watchmen to check on them and give report back to the chief. And the chief was a little concerned because in the tribe, they were, they were saying things like, you know, they're having a hard time and maybe we should help them. Uh, we don't have to listen to what they say. But so the chief was understanding that there was even compassion from the people and he didn't want to be, appear to be not compassionate. So here's what he did. He sent a, a, a little village boy to help the missionary. But he told the little village boy when he got down there, he said, now, I don't want you talking with him. You can't have anything to do with going to church there. Don't have anything to do with what he says to you. He's the white missionary. Well, the little boy helped him from day to day. In the process of time, this young couple had a child. And uh, Mrs. Flood became uh, pregnant, and she bore a child. And then shortly after having the baby, she contacted malaria. In a matter of days, his wife died. So here's the missionary on the foreign field. People don't want him. His wife just died, and he buried her. He has a little girl named Aggie, little baby. He doesn't know how to take care of her. So David Flood goes to the mission, year, mission field to serve God, and all these problems come up. So he, he drops his daughter off with a missionary family that worked on the coast of Africa, and uh, he tries to go back and do the work of God. As time passed, though, Aggie grew up as a teenager on the field with her adopted parents. Never saw her dad from that day forward. You see, they left the field and came back to the United States, this adopted parents, these missionaries. And Aggie ended up marrying a man by the name of Dewey Hurst. One day, years later, Aggie was home alone and, uh, and picked up a Swedish magazine. And in that magazine, there was a, a picture caught her eyes. On the page was a picture of a white cross with the words, Sivia Flood. She recognized that the picture was a cross, and that cross was her mother's grave marker. When she was told about the article, it said this, Stivia Flood, the woman who brought the gospel to Belgium, Congo. Hmm. Aggie and her husband Dewey learned that in London, a man from the Congo was going to speak there, and they wanted to hear him, and uh, so they went. Uh, when they got there, they found out that the little boy that wasn't supposed to listen to the missionary was the man they were speaking to or hearing speak in London years later. The little man, the little boy got saved because the missionary's wife day by day shared the gospel with him, but nobody knew it. And he shared with the crowd that night as he talked about the Congo and how Christ was, the Congo's reached for Christ, that he had personally baptized 110,000 converts to Christ. The, the little boy turned, man of God said, 
Your mother is the most famous woman in our country. Because she gave us the gospel of Jesus Christ. Aggie Hurst set out to find her father from that day forward. She knew he was alive, but she didn't know where he was. Eventually, she found her dad in a motel drunk with booze. The missionary. He began to apologize to her for the shape that he was in, and she started talking to him of God, and he said, Don't mention God to me. I went to the Congo, and God failed me. Then she told him the story of what God had done. Not long after that, he returned to the Congo with his daughter, son-in-law, and he met thousands of people at the airport thanking him for coming, for leaving their home and country to go to the Congo in the first place. God's not done. You never know what God is doing. Listen, saint, it may be hard right now living for God, keeping your standards high, keeping separated from the world, serving the Lord, putting up with the ridicule, being despised by the world, even being despised by other Christians. But it's worth being faithful. You don't want to end up someday. You don't want to end up someday fleeing from the presence of the Lord. You don't want to end up someday out of God's will. And you know what? It just takes uh, one time, one service, one invitation for you to say, you know what, i got to quit messing around with God and I need, to, I need to get busy for the Lord. I need to do what God has called me to do. Church, let's not believe the devil's lie that we can have Everything around here so nice and, and have all the programs and have all the ministries and do all the things that we want to do. And those things are fine. But we better be about our Father's business. You see, Israel was not doing what they were called to do, be a witness. Jonah was exhibit A of what they were doing. He was not doing what God called him to do. Go to Nineveh and cry against that city. And church... If we don't do what God's called us to do, there's a big payday coming. Let's be faithful. And you can't say this morning, well, you know, I don't know that it'll make any difference. It'll make a big difference. You don't know that if you get right today or you keep faithful, what life you're going to affect that'll make an impact on this world that you cannot even imagine. Amen. Let's stay strong, church. Let's be soul winning and soul conscious. Let's get separated unto God, not everybody else. Or we'll risk, risk this. 
that we could have the testimony that we once served God, but now we, fle we fled from the presence of the Lord out of his will, doing things and being what we never thought we'd be. Let's bow our heads if we would, every head bowed. Where are you at with God? Some big lies some people choose to believe. What, what lie are you listening to? That you can't, you can't get saved? Oh, yes, you can. My loved ones will never repent? Oh, yes, they will. I, I don't know if I can raise a family in this day for God. Oh, yes, you can. I don't know, preacher, if I can put up with being mocked at work and belittled by my neighbors. Oh, yes, you can for the cause of Christ. I don't know, preacher, I, God's called me, but I've not surrendered, and I, maybe it's too late. No, it's never too late. Never too late. Well, preacher, you don't know what I've been and what I've done, and how can God forgive me? Because he's a merciful and gracious God. Heavenly Father, do your work in our, our church today. Uh, do a great work in the hearts of your people. And, oh, God, I'm thankful that Jonah finally did the right thing. Lord, I'm not thankful that his heart still wasn't right toward the people of Nineveh. Give us a right heart, O oh God, toward those that are without Christ, without the church. Help us to have true compassion and care. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand.